Oh, a steal. All alone in front. Diving. Pump check by Flurry. What a chance. Theodore gets it back. He's knocked down. And look out. Kovalchuk up ice. Has Domi with him. Kovalchuk walking in. Shot. Save. Flurry. An acrobatic save by Marc-Andre Fleury. And a shot. No! Rebound! Oh, a diving! Glove save by Fleury! He went airborne back to his left and saved the goal. to Cofield and Company. Five o'clock hours here, and so are the tears. Adam Hill weeping just a little bit. Ari loves Daughtry. You combine that with the memories of Marc-Andre Fleury, the statue that will be coming along in the next few years. Fleury's back tomorrow. It's just magical, isn't it? That's how we start out the five o'clock hour. I'm so fired up. <laughs> magical? What's your problem? <laughs> I mean, listen. Can we ever tug at the heartstrings ever? Adam Hill, it's Adam, it's Cofield, it's Ari. Let's do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. First of all, before I let you rain on any of this emotional parade, I do want to mention that our guy Willie from the AP, member of the company, got an exclusive in the middle of the week. He's writing a story on it for tomorrow for the AP. And you can hear Flurry here is having a little trouble putting his words together. It's going to be very emotional as Math is back at the Fortress. Been through this once before, and I'm just wondering if it was the same kind of mentality and emotional sort of roller coaster in terms of when you were here to go back to Pittsburgh. Does it feel different? Is it the same? Does it help that you've been through this? I think it helps. I've been through it. If, uh... I think it's uh, a little bit the same anticipation, right? I don't know. <laughs> it's tough. When I went back to Pittsburgh, and all the emotional about things, you know, um, having thoughts about memories and good times and stuff, right, and my teammates and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I think maybe I'll try to be more just, <laughs> just trying to play hockey. It's hard, though, because I feel like you don't want to get sidelined and get emotional or anything right but then at the same time it is you know it is it is it's a great time in my life and i have great memories and made some great friends and also man what a great guy we all love him in the media can't wait to see him back tomorrow hopefully he gets honored uh on so many levels beyond what reeves and gallant got last night it's a great story adam hill as mark andre fleury is back in front of the crowd that loves him so much <laughs> and facing the franchise that he helped build Oh, God. Uh, also, the franchise he turned on? The franchise he lied about and dragged through the mud? And I maintain lied outright? Two people? That guy? Well, there could be that, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I do I do think it's worth talking about. Because, okay, I'll, I'll start it off. 
and say, I feel like I had a pretty good relationship with Marc-Andre Fleur. I covered him for two years on the beat and then, you know, a little bit when I was just kind of, um, you know, helping out on the beat after that. But, you know, traveling with the team, being around him a lot in the locker room every single day, I feel like I had a good relationship with him. I feel he's a pretty decent guy. But there is the end. And, you know, I, I was talking to people last night. Like I said, I, I was kind of, get, you know, gauging some fans. And they are all still... Hey, Marc-Andre Fleury was an angel. The team screwed him. Blah, blah, blah. Which is not By the way, the there's a, there, there are a lot of people who uh, cover the Knights day-to-day and others who cover the Knights here and there who are on the side that the Knights screwed over Marc-Andre Fleury. And, oh, they, sure, and they're sure in there the know. Sure there are. And they're in the know. Sure. A lot of them are fans of the team, just like the fans Listen, are. Listen, I... I'll, I'll admit, I am not in the know like you guys, but, I mean, I, I think you could see pretty easily what happened here. And I, I agree with you. I mean, while I lay it on thick, uh, you know, I like Fleury, and I think they should have kept him around. Uh, Leonard's been, you know, solid, although, you know, just was dealing with some issues recently. Well, hopefully he's going to be, you know, 100% the rest of the way. Um, some of the stuff that happened with the, the communication claims by the Flurry side were – Really kind of infantile and childish, and um, listen, whether you like Bill Foley or not, I don't think he deserved that. Let's, I mean, let's also not ignore sabotaging a playoff run. I mean, let's not ignore that part of the Flurry legacy. That that was selfish. The the sword that was selfish. So again, I I don't want to make it sound like this is an attack on Mark Andre Flurry. I just I think it's fair to say. In this homecoming time, when it's everybody's celebrating the fact that he's back, wants to see him and celebrate him, like what responsibility does the team have to do that? Like, I, you you said I you know I throw cold water on everything or whatever. I was all in last night, all in. The Ryan Reeves situation totally different. Gallant situation yeah. is different too, yeah. but the Reeves situation is totally different. Like the the franchise wanted to move on. He said, "Hey, that that's cool. Uh, just put, you know, send me to a play. Hey, glance there. He wants me to play for him. Send me there. Like they worked it out. It was it was you know harmonious. It was great. He put in a lot of great time. He was a fan favorite, loved in the community, all that. Just like Flurry, right? But the the relationship. And by, and by the way, I'll throw in to my knowledge, Glant really has never gone ballistic on the Knights. And for his case, what happened to him? While I'm fine with it from the Golden Knights standpoint, they wanted to make a change. But from Gallant's standpoint, he certainly has a case to annihilate and be really make it personal. He could go after the Knights all the time. Yeah, and he and, and he, he did hasn't done that. And I just I've I never believed all this stuff. I I, I can't I can't do this again. I we we talked about it all of last season that the end was coming. And the old guy was probably going to go. And then all of a sudden there was some narrative and people are like, what? He's going? Like, <laughs> yes. Yes. We all knew this was going to happen. Why are you shocked? Right. And and it's, you have to really put on like the Marc-Andre Fleury blinders, like basically be covering your eyes with a Fleury jersey to not see what happened in this scenario. It is, this was not like, could the team be better in communication? Probably but this was not blindsided. This was worked. This was known. Um, and it's silly to think that Mark Andre Fleury was completely caught off guard and had no idea this was going on. You, you, that's that's a ridiculous thought to have. 
And so, yeah, he went scorched earth on the organization. So I guess the, the question is, do the fans deserve the big moment more than the organization like should be forced to, to go through this? Like, like when McPhee and McCrimmon, and yes, there's good times and they can understand that and appreciate that. But when they have to show that video tomorrow and do like the standing ovation and everybody wave, like it's got to be through gritted teeth. This guy dragged you. This guy completely turned on you, lied like crazy to the media about you. And now you have to celebrate him. So like, where's the balance between what the organization should be doing? Which I I fully right now will say is nothing. Is nothing. He plays the game. He's on the other side. Whatever. That's it. Or do you owe it to the fans to allow them to celebrate the guy and ignore just the complete immaturity and ridiculous way that he went out? Number four. Omaha. (laughs) Nissan Tetra. Cheesesteak. All right, I got to call an audible. We'll have to hit your story about The Rock a little later on. We oh, have not boy. hit Antonio Brown at all today, which <laughs> sure. annoys the crap out of me. We've got to do this before what is going to be a cool week 18. I mean, each of the last couple of days, the stuff that he's come out with, because now we did a podcast. He is just, he's beyond repair. He really is. He is delusional. I mean, you see some of the stuff that came out of this podcast today? Yeah. I watched Where it. Where he's like, first of all, he oh, you did? Yeah, parts of it. Long parts of it. Uh, let's see. Of course, I want to play football next season. Um, uh, one uh, uh, Bucks reporter, Jenna Lane, said he wants to uh, join a team that he feels supports him and has his back. Quote, these guys have been treating me uh, to the <laughs> opposite of who I am. Um, he also said I took a COVID suspension without evidence. Oh, uh, he followed that up with... The fact that um, he doesn't want to play moving forward on incentive-based deals. Like, yeah. d- who are you? Like, you, you, there's no self-awareness. And then, uh, and then the best of all that's come out in the last day or so is that he may have snuck in some lady and broke COVID protocols before the Jets game. And that she was, then posted hotel. And that she then tested positive for COVID. Yeah. Uh, which is wonderful. Um, he also, I mean, you're, the part about the incentive contracts, like he went, he specifically compared himself and he said, why am I on an earn it contract and Gronk is got on a guaranteed deal? Well, like you're in totally different situations because they were scared that you were going to do exactly what you did. That's why you're Gronk's on an not earn a, it contract. Gronk's not a jackass. He's never walked off the field. He's never burned his feet in cryotherapy. He's never... You know, had a fight over his GDAM helmet and wearing the new helmet. I mean, I can't even list all this stupid things he's done. And he's like, "What's the problem? I'm the yeah. same as all these other guys." No, you're not. You're not. The bet. The and then I mean, I said that was the best. Sorry, the best is he also said Brady isn't blank without weapons. Yep. Uh, and he said he was the best player on the team. Well, he also, I, he, you know, he took a backhanded shot at Brady, basically saying, "We're not friends. We're, you know, we're not real friends. We're friends because of football." That's yeah, it. yeah. He needs like, me. This guy, this guy is completely embarrassed on because of you, and <laughs> right. now you're taking shots at him. I mean, it's the whole thing is stupid. Now that said, 
He actually does have a case by the numbers, win-loss numbers, and one receiver doesn't decide everything. But it is interesting. When A.B. played, what did he play? Seven games. He had like 550 yards, right? So certainly he's on a pace. You know, if he played a full season, he'd have, you know, a, a monster season, his typical season. They're 7-0 and with A.B. They're 5-4 and without. And I think if I'm correct, they've won, they had won 14 straight games. Well, that streak is still intact. He's just not there. Yeah. They'd won 14 straight games with A.B. So yeah. he, isn't, he is important. And now that he's gone and Godwin's gone and, you know, Gronk is like second to second in terms of his health, they are debilitated. The Buccaneers are. Sure, but it's also, I mean, let's keep in mind that, as you mentioned, Godwin also got hurt. And A.B. was tremendous as the third option. And fourth option, even in the offense, which I don't mean like fourth in stats, but everybody knows. Okay, you got to cover Evans, you got to cover Godwin, you got to cover Gronk. You also have to cover AB. Like it's tough, but he's probably the fourth guy in your scouting report. So, yeah, he's. It's much more. You're going to be a much better team when Antonio Brown is your fourth option as a receiver. Uh, so that all those things make sense for sure. But he's absolutely delusional with some of the other stuff that he's saying. Number three. Uh, thank God they don't have the headache. Uh, the Raiders don't have the headache of Antonio Brown. All distractions are gone. Uh, Nate Hobbs going to play this weekend, huh? Sure. Why not? Thoughts? <laughs> I, it, this is It's a really, really tough story to talk about, really, um, because I think we are – this is one of those cases where, you know, we always say, hey, we want the facts to come out. <laughs> like, hey, let's yeah. wait for the facts to come out. But we all react right away anyway. Right. Uh, this is a very, very key. Let's wait for the facts to come out. Um, it is because again, the at least what we know, and again, we always, we also know the police report isn't always gospel. Like there, are, you know, you can't just take that for what it is. Mm-hmm. But even in according to the police report, it's Nate Hobbs sleeping in his car on the off ramp of of a parking garage, which you know. Sounds awful if you if you're drunk and it's that time of night. It's 4 a.m. and you're passed out at the wheel. Sounds awful. Did he start to drive and make a conscious decision that this is probably a bad idea? I'm just going to sleep. Maybe. And if that's the case, do we hold him to the same standard as somebody that actually does go drive? I don't know. I'm not making a case one or the other. I'm just saying, if that is the case. How do you treat that in, in in you know relation to other DUI cases? Is it the same? Is it different? Under in the eyes of the law, guess it's the same. But should we treat it the same? I don't know, and I have no idea what the actual facts of the case are. But it seems like if that is on the surface, I, I have a tough time. You know, I'd have a tough time treating it the same way as you do other DUIs if it's, if that's what happened. Maybe that's not what happened. I, I don't know. But I think it's really, really important in this case to say, okay, like the judgment, like, again, we always say let's wait for the facts, but we never do. This case, I feel like, I feel like this is a case where we kind of do have to wait. Number two. Raiders pulling out all stops to uh, make sure this is a massive atmosphere for a uh, – Get into the playoffs game against the Chargers. Tickets, and they don't control the secondary market, but tickets are crazy right now. What are you hearing about get-in price and the the prices at all these different levels? I saw someone tweet at Q, our, uh, one of our Raiders guys over on Raider Nation Radio uh, 920, saying, uh, looking for anything better than 370 a ticket. Whoa. 
Oof. I'm actually trying to trying to call it up as we speak right now just to uh, find out where we're at at this point. But, um, I mean, if you, at the beginning of the week, if you had to guess on a get-in price, what would it have been? About that, 350 huh? There's, let's see, two tickets right now for 290 Yeah, when I looked earlier, um, there were tickets. Yeah, you could get it upstairs at 290 and uh, downstairs, the cheap, I mean, cheapest was 450 if you want like club seats, you know anywhere between the the 20s, you're you're looking over $1000. Yeah, nothing let's see nothing below the 400 level for anything under 350. Right. Um yeah, I mean listen, it's it's going to be very expensive. Let's see. The cheapest 200 level? Yeah, 350 I see. Um in the, the end zone. Uh, the field club, the field club admission, I guess uh, according to your guy Acres, jumped from 500 to get in to 800, is that right? Yeah. I would even okay. I would think it's even more, but yeah, if that's what he said, that that makes sense. I, mean, I would assume the line for the Madden Cruiser tour is would be miles long if they could let everyone in there. That's going to be crazy. <laughs> sure. Got to go early in the day. Check that out. Yep. And now on top of all that, they've added another great entertainer. Little John is going to be playing at the game. What? Yes, I don't know if you saw that one. What? Oh, I just got it. All right, top story. <laughs> Number one. This game is bigger okay. for Derek Carr or Rich Passaccia. Wow. I mean, I'm going to say Carr. I, I, like, I don't know what – I don't know what Passaccia's future holds anyway, and I think he's – listen, he's – I, I have loved getting to know him a little bit, working with him and being around him, and um, his his energy is contagious at times. I think he's a, he's a great dude, good you know, great special teams coach. Um, he's been awesome, and I think getting this chance this year, and it kind of sucks at the same time as it's awesome. It's great for him to get this opportunity finally in his career, but also, who would want to step into that role with this team and this this you know the waters that they've had to navigate this year. Yep. Uh, but it's been a great opportunity for him. I think it's just a reward for all of his years of coaching to take the helm. I don't think he had, you know, I'm sure in his mind he's competitive and he thought we're going to win every game and we're going to win a Super Bowl and I'm going to be a coach forever. But I think realistically he probably figured he was going to get to coach out the rest of the season and that was going to be his opportunity. Whatever happens from here is, you know, icing on the cake for him, I think. 364-1100, giveaway time. Some more qualifiers for the VIP treatment table, free entry for you and your pals at the best after party following the Raiders games. That's a crazy worst three gentlemen's club right there on Russell, right across the street from the Al. Caller six and seven, three, six, four, eleven hundred. Got the kitchen open. You're going to have a great happy hour drink specials, dozens of beautiful women. And after the Raiders win this game and make the playoffs, you can party all night starting at eight o'clock uh, up until 11. That's when Greg Salerno will be there. They don't close at 11 o'clock, but Fox Sports Radio will be on the scene to give out prizes, and uh, Greg will be hosting the party. 364-1100, caller 6 and 7 on the way back. Keys to victories, or victory, for the Raiders. And uh, also in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to one of the guys who's doing one of the broadcasts, uh, Jorge Andres, who uh, was with ESPN. He's now working for NBC, as he'll be calling the game on uh, Universal. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Carr takes it back into the gun, looks off, fires, intercepted. 
picked off down the sideline. Pass was intended for Waller. And you know who? Derwin James steps in, makes the interception, and that probably turned the lights out for tonight. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Well, that was clearly SoFi week four. Rough game for the Raiders, especially in the first half, losing to the Chargers, looking for the season split. If they do it, that means the Chargers are out and the Raiders are in the playoffs. And I could tell it was SoFi because uh, SoFi has some jackass who's screaming the entire game. I kid about that, actually. I, I don't mind the town crier at the games, but they've got someone just they you want to talk about uh because we mentioned how the fortress that you're just bombarded with sound. <laughs> uh the cacophony of freaking sound at SoFi, it is endless. It never stops. Like you're just you're you are just crushed with visual images and sound going down all the time. You know where you're not in Indianapolis where it's just lovely. Well, it's uh, you know, it's funny. Your love of Indianapolis reminds me of your your favorite hockey town. What the peg? The peg. Yep. Sure. Exactly. Which you defend into no. the death because you're like they just they only care about hockey there. No, there's other stuff. Oh, hold goes on. on in the arena. Be clear. I didn't defend the town. I defended the arena and the fans in the arena. The town stinks. Uh, you are very pro indie. Very, very pro indie. So Derek Carr interception there. The to me interesting image of that Charger game, that Charger win over the Raiders is Derek Carr having to duck a bunch of times. Yeah, I know a lot of other things happened, right? And that you know after the game, that's why Joey Bosa said, "Hey, the guy crumbles under pressure." That to me is the key. The, the Raiders have to reverse what happened in that game. Not only keep Derek Carr clean, but Somehow, without blitzing, because they don't blitz, but somehow they've got to move Justin Herbert off his mark and, while doing that, contain him so that he's not running outside and all of a sudden, you know, free freewheeling and uh, finding guys 50 yards down the field with his ridiculously strong arm. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, think, I think making him uncomfortable is definitely a key, but... Um, the pressure thing, like, yeah, anybody, any quarterback is, you know, pressure affects them and gets to them for sure. Uh, but I think it's more important to actually get sacks in this case because he actually is very good under pressure. For the second straight year, It's he's not number one, but he's top ten. He's, like, I think seventh or eighth against pressure this year. So pressure doesn't really um, make that much of an impact because he, he is able to kind of maneuver the pocket a little bit, escape. Uh, create enough space, and then when he gets out of the pocket, he's even more dangerous. So um, I think you actually have to get to him more so than just put pressure on him. But really the key to me, uh, especially defensively for the Raiders, is getting stops in the red zone. They've been really good keeping teams out of the red zone, but they are on the verge of setting a record for the worst team ever inside the red zone defensively. Like, it has been horrific. So there are so many. I was gonna say there are so many weird numbers with this team. Yeah, yeah. Nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense about them at all. And that's why I've, I've kind of said the the theme to me going into this game is the Chargers are a much better team that's finding ways to lose. The Raiders are a much worse team that's finding ways to win. So what happens when those teams get together? I mean, you would assume the Raiders get outplayed badly and win. 
Like that's probably what should happen based on how the season is gone, but it's so unpredictable. Everything is crazy. And you know, in a, in a one game scenario, literally anything can happen, including taking knees and tying Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Your weekly preparation can't be based upon what happened in the previous game or what was said about you or how you played the previous game. It's a new week, a new team, a team that we played before, but they'll have a new game plan and we'll have a new game plan for them. So it's, it's really completely out of his mind and uh, he's just focused on, on preparing to be the best Derek Carr that he can be on Sunday. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. 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 Uh, Greg Olson, referencing uh, Joey Bosa crapping on Derek Carr after uh, the Week 4 game, saying he crumbles under pressure. Football is different than radio, because if uh, Adam just bludgeoned me and embarrassed me, and then stomped on my grave on a show on a Thursday. On Friday, I would come in spit and fire, man. I'd be pissed off. I mean, that's what happens every week. So, yes. Whoa, wait, wait. What part? What did you, you stomp on me? On? <laughs> yes, no, of you course. Cut it out. Uh, Jorge Andres has a really cool assignment. He's on this game, calling the game for Universo, and uh, we're getting ready for the Raiders and the Chargers. Fired up to talk about it. Jorge, how you doing? Hey, fellas. Good man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, appreciate it. And uh, yeah, like you said, we got a hell of a game. Coming this Sunday night. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about one of the storylines that we like, and that is, uh, you know, motivation and, and verbal barbs being thrown around. Uh, Joey Bosa, after the week four game, kind of dumped on Derek Carr. I don't know that Derek Carr is going to have some, you know, unbelievable game responding to that, but it does add a little more juice to the game. Like, it feels like, you know, that traditional AFC West rivalry game. Oh, yeah, man. Come on. This, this game has all of that. And the greatest thing is that, look, these, both, both of these teams, they've struggled to make it into the playoffs in the last, you know, I want to say almost 10 years. So, like, the history between that, the fact that both of these teams want to get back to where they are and where they want to be is huge. And, uh, and, and that's what makes this game even better. Forget, forget the numbers of this game. What makes this game better is the rivalry and the fact that, Obviously, barring a Jacksonville win, it's pretty much win or get in. For sure. And and uh, I, I just looked these numbers up so I can uh, throw it out there. Raiders have been to the playoffs once since 2002. Chargers have been once since 2013. So, yeah, not a whole lot of playoff <laughs> experience between these two teams as we get ready for the game. What what do you see as being the key to this game on Sunday? Listen, uh, there, there's two keys here. If I'm a Charger fan, if I'm a Charger guy with obviously – and not many of those in Las Vegas. <laughs> you just got to watch out for Justin Herbert. He, he's been doing really well in primetime games. That's what is, is shaky about uh, a Raiders' positive outcome, is that if he comes to play, Justin Herbert, it's going to be a long night for, for the Raiders. Uh, when he's playing well, he is 6-0, and oh, not throwing an interception. When he throws the pick, he's 3-7, and seven, so you got to force a turnover. I know... Yeah, for Las Vegas, turnovers haven't come easy uh, this season. That, that's been a major problem. But here's the good thing. That defensive unit in Las Vegas has been playing well as of late. I'm not talking about the whole picture, but as of late. And you mentioned the key. The biggest key, and I will say this and take this to the grave, is the running game. 
if they can get if they can get the running game going, the Raiders are in good shape. Here's the good news: that when the Raiders do get that running game going, they're eleven and three. Feed Jacobs over twenty carries; they're eleven and three. They're good. That 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 run defense in in Los Angeles has trouble with that running game. Feed the rock. Don't all respect to, to Carr. Don't put it on his shoulders completely. You know, like, you've you got to give him some help. Hunter Renfro has been fantastic. You know, and look at all the all the obstacles. We, we, we can literally talk all day about all the obstacles this Raider team has, has overcome, whether it be the Gruden stuff, whether it be the Rugs stuff, whether it be the releases of players. They, 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 they've overcome a lot of things. So I don't want to sit here and, and put everything on car because you can't do that on any single player. But feed the rock to Jacobs in that running game. Get that running game going. This team will win this game if they do that. If they don't and it turns into a shootout, I told you already what Justin Herbert can do. <laughs> For sure. Well, I mean, you mentioned the atmosphere and the, the importance of the game. It's essentially a playoff game uh, on Sunday night. At least we hope so. If everything goes uh, the way we think it's going to go, it'll be a playoff game Sunday <laughs> night. Uh, I mean, just talk about the the scene, the emotions, really, of calling a playoff game, being a part of a playoff game, essentially, on the strip. Nobody ever thought this was possible. No, I mean, first of all, like, having football in Vegas, I've been saying it for years, it, it, it is like a show. It, it's an event. It's what you want to do, what the NFL wants to be and wants to do. I'm so glad that the Raiders are now in Vegas and they're able to, to put on this this show and the fact that we're lucky enough to have what you just said and essentially a play-in game, if you will, uh, a la Major League Baseball, a la a college basketball, a play-in game to get into uh, the postseason. It's fantastic. It, it just adds another spark into that whole show atmosphere that is Las Vegas. Everybody talks about the Kings in hockey and how they put on the show to, to start a game. Well, heck, we got everything going now with, with uh, everything that's transpiring in this final week with, by the way, records on the line and, and teams being able to punch their ticket into the postseason. Sunday Night Football is such a great platform for a marquee game every single week to begin with. The fact that we have this as the finale, as the season finale, is one of the things that I, I absolutely love and I'm completely all in for it and what the NFL is all about. How much time have you thought about uh, how how you would call a game where both teams just take knees and punt and settle for a tie and get in? <laughs> you know what? We, we, we brought that up, actually, in our uh, research meeting, our pr- production meeting throughout the week. And we're talking to the team. And, you know, we, we sit back, and uh, Carlos Ramirez uh, is uh, our play-by-play guy, Miguel Gruwitz. Uh, our studio host is phenomenal, guys. And, uh, you know, we stopped and said, hey, look, the, the weirder things have happened. So <laughs> let's just say the Jacksonville Jaguars end up winning on Sunday. What are we going to do? I even talked to my wife about it, who's, who's a great football fan, and she said, I don't know if any team can literally go a game and just take knees. Somebody's going to have to win, especially when it's a rivalry. So I don't think we'll get to that. But just in case, uh, we have a whole bunch of storylines to talk about all day as we eat sandwiches and call this game if everybody just takes a knee. 
Well, everybody's been talking about how crazy it is. And first of all, I, I think the Jaguars are going to lose anyway, so it's not going to matter. But yeah. everybody talks yeah. about how crazy it is. I'm a soccer guy. I've seen it in soccer. I've watched it. I've <laughs> I've experienced this. I don't think it's that crazy. No, I mean, look, I, I, I think it's very small chance that it happens. No disrespect to Jacksonville, but with everything that's happened, they're not they're not a good team. The Colts right now are rolling high. They're a playoff team. They're a postseason team. I think we're not going to get to that. However, you, I, I never say never. Okay, there, there's been wilder things after the Detroit Lions beat the Arizona Cardinals. So, like, there's crazy things that may happen. Even if it does happen, I'll tell you this, guys. These two teams. And that rivalry, that history that you guys mentioned in the beginning of the conversation, will not allow for two teams to just take a knee. It's not if it gets to that moment. It's not just punching your ticket into the postseason, but it's punching your ticket and telling the opposing team, telling the Chargers, have a good time watching us in the postseason, and vice versa. Jorge, take the quarterbacks out of the mix first on the Raiders side of things. I know you mentioned Jacobs, but he is dinged up going in. Who is the most important player on the Raiders' side, aside from Derek Carr? Hunter Renfro. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job uh, this uh, postseason. I'm sorry, this regular season. Uh, Darren Waller being banged up was a huge question mark that everybody was was asking, you know, what are they going to do now? And, hey, this tiny little guy, Hunter Renfro, <laughs> is just Crushing it this year. I mean, 99 receptions? Are you kidding me? He's got 1,025 yards, seven receiving touchdowns. He's been doing a great job. And, again, it shows you that that speed, the, the good route runners, the clean route runners, if they can get open, which most of, uh, you know, and, again, you, judge a book by, you can't judge a book by its cover. A lot of people do. When you look at the way – Hunter Renfro runs his route. Look at the way Hunter Renfro finds the open space in the middle of the field specifically, and look at the way Hunter Renfro uh, gets those yards after catch. That's when it becomes dangerous. Obviously, the Chargers are prepared, preparing for that, and they're going to be eyeing Hunter Renfro, but if he gets going the way he's been going the past couple of weeks, you're going to have a lot of people uh, you know, uh, cheersing for more than just bachelor parties in Vegas. How about on the Chargers side? Most important player has to have a big game. Take Herbert out of the mix. Taking Herbert out of the mix. Austin Eckler has been a phenomenal running back in this uh, regular season. He, he's been an excellent player. The same with Bosa on the defensive side. Uh, nothing against Derek Carr, but if the pressure gets to him, which bright lights, big stage, the pressure can get to him. A Bosa, that defensive line, Eckler, and on the offensive side, if they get going, they may be able to alleviate Herbert a little bit. Now, obviously, all eyes will be on Herbert, on Allen, on Williams. Uh, that is this, what this Charger team is made of. But if you look at other places where the Chargers can make up ground, if Las Vegas does come in and does uh, lock some of these guys down, it's those positions Listen, the line right now is Chargers by three. I'll tell you right now, it ain't going to be a three-point game. This is what, this is a game that's going to be decided, in my opinion, uh, with a late field goal, a one-point, two-point type of game. Uh, it's going to be that hard-hitting, that sweaty, 
You're going to see some blood on the jerseys. Like the late John Madden said, real football. That's what we're going to see uh, come Sunday night uh, on Sunday Night Football, both on NBC and Universal. And it's going to be uh, fantastic. I- I'm, I'm just thanking the football gods that we're going into the last season of uh, the last game of the season with a matchup like this with so much at stake. By the way, what do you think of Vegas? Aside from having the NFL here, you know, with a team getting a Super Bowl down the road, we just found out last week that uh, you live in Miami, yeah. right? Miami's going to get another CFP uh, yeah, title I'm in game. Miami, that's first. Right. Yeah, what do you think about Vegas starting to get all these events? Listen, man, like, look, nothing against Miami. I love Miami. I live here. My family's here. Uh, Miami, Tampa, Los Angeles are those type of places that are event places. You know, everything happens in Miami. Everything happens in Southern California. Everything happens in, in these places. I love that now, no disrespect to Miami, Tampa, Los Angeles, or even Dallas, but now we have another one. We have another place, and of all the places, come on, man, Vegas, everybody's been, everybody's been to Vegas, whether they want to share their stories or not, and, and that's where it's at, man. That, that is where the lights are bright, the stage is high, and the, the stakes are high, and Look, the fact that we have another option is phenomenal. They tried to do that with New York City, no no disrespect to New York, but in the Broncos-Seahawks Super Bowl. And it just, it just it was another event going on in the city. Meanwhile, Las Vegas is going to take the the identity of the event like it does in so many things that, that they host. So down the road, when we look at, MLB All-Star Games, when we look at NFL drafts, when we look at the Super Bowl, look at me, I, I, you guys like me working show business, so I'm all about the bright lights, <laughs> and I'm all about fans in the stands, brother. Well, uh, you, like us, live in a uh, pretty warm climate. Miami's warmer than Vegas. Uh, my last <laughs> take on this one, and I've been saying it all show long, um, enough of the cold weather cities. I mean, it, think about Monday. You got the national title game for college football. Alabama and Georgia <laughs> fans are going to drive north to go hang out in an area. And the stadium's enclosed, so it's fine. But it's going to be 17 degrees in Indianapolis on Monday. Listen, brother, I can't do that. I can't do that. <laughs> There's no way I can do that. Uh, once I left, one, once I left Bristol, Connecticut, I said, um, "Listen, I, I might throw either my coats in the fire or in the closet because uh, I'm not a cold weather guy." And, and look, obviously, you mentioned indoors in Indy, uh, but you're also driving into a building. You know, in my opinion, football weather. I'm not talking like 90 degrees uh, Miami Dolphin game. That's also obnoxious. But I'm talking like 70 degrees. That is football weather. 60 degrees, 65 degrees. That is football weather. You're still able to put on a show. You're not having to run in to go get a hot dog or a beer just to get some some feeling in your fingers. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, Jorge, remind uh, Vegas people one more time where they can watch your broadcast of the game. Listen, fellas, uh, please, if you want uh, Sunday Night Football in Spanish all over the country, you can just uh, tune in to NBC Universal. Uh, you get it on all cable channels everywhere all over the country. Um, and then uh, throughout the season, we'll be simulcasting on both NBC Universal and on Telemundo Deportes. Uh, to have the Spanish language broadcast, uh, Carlos Ramirez play by play. I'll be your analyst. Uh, Miguel Gurwitz and Rolando Cantu, uh, former Arizona Cardinals uh, offensive guard, on the pregame show 
Uh, we're excited for this weekend, and we're excited for the Super Bowl that we will be having on exclusively on Telemundo and NBC uh, this season. We'll see if one of these teams uh, not only punches their tickets in, but maybe goes for a run. That was a great spot. Thank you so much. Hey, fellas, thank you. And, uh, and why don't you uh, put, put a little something on red for me tonight? <laughs> there you go. Okay. <laughs> there he is, Jorge Andres, who's uh, on the broadcast of the game. Uh, we'll come back with more on the matchup. I actually don't think that we got into the most important matchup. Uh, I think there's a super important player on the Raiders' side, and uh, he's going to have the full responsibility, most of the responsibility, of countering the guy who's most dangerous on the Chargers' side. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. He's such a physical threat in all areas. I mean, the ability to throw keeps his eyes downfield, very accurate, very confident man back there, and then his ability to run. You know, they've got so many good skilled players that you try to, all right, here's how we're going to adjust, and then he always has the ability to run. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Sunday morning, 8 o'clock, Sunday football preview show. Adam Hill, Adam Candy, live, Westgate, getting ready for Football Central. Massive day of uh, NFL tilts in week 18. Adam, what do you guys have going for the RJ in terms of pregame coverage? Oh, so much. The Vegas Nation section, which comes out Sunday, uh, we'll have videos all over the place. The tour of the Madden Cruiser video. I, I get the feeling that the, I didn't see you post anything on this, that you would have been the last person we wanted the to be heading up a tour of the Madden Cruiser. Uh, I was going to go. Oh, you are? But I had a lot of stories to work on this morning. So I get the feeling you would have reacted to the Madden Cruiser like I reacted to the Stanley Cup when it was in studio like eight years ago. Like, eh, okay. Yeah. That's cool. Not, not to be callous, but no. I mean, the it, it's a very cool part of history. I actually am, as you know, like very into history and sports history and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I, it would have been a cool. It's it is a cool thing to see. I drove by it. Um, it's a cool thing to see, but I'm not, you know, fully on board of sitting in there and getting pictures taken and all that. Like I, I did, do, it, um, like I did at Vince Lombardi's desk. You did, and pretended to be yelling. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's actually very cool. Nice job. Oh, I don't yeah. know why I didn't see that. that was um, I, am, I am intrigued by the, the concept of the cruiser. What, just deciding you're going to take a bus all over the country? Yeah. Like, I would, I, we've done radio tours, not in like 15 years, but we did a couple of tours back uh, where we traveled to a bunch of bowl games. Sure. We uh, believe me, we didn't have a Madden Cruiser. It no. was uh, it was me in like I think a rented uh, I don't know what it was like a a Geo Tracker with the sports pig. So it was it was Dodge quite Stratus. A <laughs> a, yes, in a Dodge Stratus, a Reliant K car. Um, so it wasn't quite the same thing. But we both like road trips. I don't. That said, I don't know that I could take a bus with lots of people on it. No, there wasn't a lot of people on the Madden Cruiser. It, well, I noticed I, I saw the bedroom today um, in, in the pictures, and I was kind of was, was thinking, like, could I – like, what do you do on the – like, it's – back then, 80s and 90s, they did they mount, like, a giant satellite dish? 
Like, how the hell did you get TV? Yeah. Or it's a, it's a are you question. telling me we got we, we got to stop like every six hours and I got to talk to a bunch of people? You mean he wasn't cutting the cord in 1985? <laughs> he didn't have he didn't have the direct TV card. Well, Kim Jong Il did. Wait, what? <laughs> he just invented everything before everybody else did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, he cut the cord. All right, in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, one of the again. Lasting highlights of meeting number one when the uh, Chargers beat the Raiders 28-14 in week four was Carr getting bum-rushed and having to duck down a bunch of times. And the matchup that you see repeatedly was Al Leatherwood against Bosa. That won't be the case. That that won't be the case this time. No. Although Brandon Parker had quite a a low light reel last week, too, after having a a really good game the week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that right there, when we talk about inside the game and matchups, that's one of the matchups. Yeah. That's it. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's maybe the biggest matchup of the game. I, I think so, too. And good luck to the Raiders' offensive line. They've, they've been very up and down. I will say, it seems like when they do run the ball consistently, their pass blocking is better also. So I think that's probably going to be their focus. But as you just alluded to, Josh Jacobs is banged up. Yeah, so what happens? Who steps up? Oh, I mean, it could be a Peyton Barber show or a Jalen Richard show. Um, I don't know, but I feel like I feel like the way the season has gone, the Raiders get absolutely thoroughly, completely dominated and outplayed, and they win. There you go. Good setup. Brilliant setup. <laughs> you can catch a game on 92.3 Comp on uh, Sunday night, uh, also on 920 AM Raider Nation Radio. We'll see you.